So I think it's very important that you have people on your team or you you outsource or you bring in, you know, and we've got great partnerships with ownership groups that we work with handily. And we go in before, we'll do scope testing, roof testing. I mean, we look at, basically we can build out your CapEx renovation and your budget and just make sure that everything is aligned. And again, walking you every step of the process through the due diligence all the way to close, that not only provides an accurate picture of what you're going to do, what you need to do, but even better, it allows us to plan and prepare. So when you close, we can execute on the CapEx plan much faster. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives, and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Ready to Scale. My name is Jeanette Robinson. I'm Director of Investor Relations with Blue Lake Capital. And joining me today is James Sermons, coming from Austin, Texas. James is the Business Development Director of Gage Multifamily Services. He's been in real estate investing since 2012, starting his career off earlier in single-family housing with wholesaling and flips, and eventually moving into multifamily prop tech, and now leading business development for Gage. He has a BA in landscape architecture and business administration from the University of Florida. And I'm happy to say that we were able to meet at an event recently where we got to find out that we had a lot in common. So James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Definitely. We appreciate you coming in. So I know I just kind of touched on your background there, but do you want to share with listeners a little bit about how it is that you have found yourself now in basically general construction and overseeing, you know, the business development arm of your company? Yeah, no, it's been a kind of a wild ride. Real estate something has always intrigued me. I did, I worked for land development office actually back in like high school and college. It's kind of got me into like wanting to do, wanted to create like really cool landscapes and stuff like that and like Disney World-esque stuff. So I actually did work at Disney World for, you know, about six months doing landscape architecture for them. But cool. Yeah. So I was in construction landscape for a long time and then I moved to Dallas, Texas in 2012 and that really opened some doors for me in the real estate market. You know, again, something that I'd always been wanting to do. So I was doing landscape maintenance construction from about 2009 to 2012. And met a couple of people that were in real estate investing, wholesaling deals. And they're like, if you want to learn real estate, like this would be the fastest, quickest way you can do this. So jumped in there, got my feet wet, 
bartending at night actually in Dallas just to make money. So I worked <laughs> the streets during the day as far as, you know, knocking on doors and assessing houses and meeting investors at night. You know, that's you know, make my money to pay my bills and stuff. So did that several years. And then like most people, you realize the scalability. I got into the prop tech space of multifamily, still doing the single family myself, but calling on owners and property management groups and some I was familiar with, with working with them in the landscape field, but just kind of synced. Like everybody talks about the scalability of multifamily. And I'm like, wait a second, this is the same thing I'm doing, but I can have a hundred doors under one roof as opposed to hundred houses, hundred doors, hundred roofs, hundred problems. Right. So you're talking to owners, very similar to the investors I was talking to that were buying these single family flips and looking at the quote unquote CapEx renovations that were needed for these single family houses. And it really translated well into what we were doing in multifamily and looking at the asset and what type of innovation costs are going to include and then, you know, comp sets and market analysis and stuff like that. So there's a lot of really easy transition from single family to multifamily. And then I worked on the asset management operations side for a value add property management group for a couple of years, grew the portfolio. So I was working with owners, investors, looking at different deals, doing due diligences, walking them through what type of, processes and procedures and CapEx renovations they needed to do in order to achieve certain rents or decrease expenses. So really having an NOA conversation for, you know, with different assets across different markets in the state of Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. And then I decided to move to Austin, Texas. And I've known Gabe's multifamily for another guys are there for a little while. I actually met them at the last old capital conference. Moved to Austin. I engaged them and said, hey, how can we synchronize and then an open opportunity for me to come on board. And so I did. So yeah, continually working with owners, operators, syndication groups on their CapEx budgeting, CapEx plan, CapEx execution. Nice. Very cool. Very good background. Definitely diverse. And I think each one of them, you know, has its own benefit and helping you to see the picture from kind of a wider lens all the way around. So I think it's great. I think it's very cool. And actually, that's a great segue into kind of where we're going with all of this. So you know, obviously, we're both in the multifamily space. That's the asset we're going to be looking at today. And we both also come from the background of, or I'll say the business plan of executing value-add strategies, right? So what I'd really like to hone into today, and I think the listeners would be most interested in knowing about, is let's talk about CapEx. Let's talk about the process. So what are you seeing in the market right now that is a little out of the norm for owners and operators that are coming in and planning on executing a value-add strategy that maybe you didn't used to see before from the GC side of the house? That's a great question. You know, obviously it's market dependent. I think it's asset class dependent as well. You know, working with a lot of the older asset classes are not necessarily as amenitized. So amenities are a really good thing. I think cheaper, low-cost amenities such as dog parks obviously have been popular. I think... They're changing out sports courts, things of that nature, barbecue grills. I mean, pretty standard across the board. I think as you get into more of your you know, class B, you know, you're you know, kind of in the Austin, Texas area, just with the demographic of young professionals coming in to this particular market. And it can be translated across the other markets as well, depending on, you know, particular sub-region of you know that city. But you're seeing a lot of people taking maybe 1985 vintage class. B properties, and they're really putting in some of these class A type amenities such as technology, prop tech, smart locks. People want to feel safe. They want to feel secure. Obviously, interior upgrades. We're sticking pretty much with the standard 
white quartz, shaker style fronts, some of the cabinets. We're doing a lot of washer and dryer conversions on some of the older units. I do caution that in some aspect because of just the infrastructure of the older buildings. You know, you just need to make sure that you're looking at that because you've got a building that's 1970s. They've just got older pipes. They're rusted. Could cause for some much unwanted deferred maintenance down the road. So just something to kind of keep an eye on. But we are seeing a lot of washer and dryer conversions, people wanting those. But really just doing the market analysis, figuring out what the comps are doing and, and trying to see where we can replicate. Okay, so pretty, you know, standard value add execution, the typical upgrades that people are adding in. But what I think is really interesting that a lot of listeners probably don't understand is that they're not the only party at play, right? So the lenders sometimes have some requirements that operators don't see coming or insurance sometimes has requirements that operators don't see coming. So what can you share with us are some of these types of examples that catch operators by surprise that they need to be aware of to watch out for? Yeah, no, great point. And that's something like people get in there and they put their underwriting together and they're like, we're going to add this, we're going to do upgrade to that. And we've got a $1.5 million budget. And there's nothing like going into the project and then realizing that you have $250,000 worth of stat locks that you have to get, you know, you have to upgrade. What what are stab locks for those of us that don't know? I have no idea. Stab locks are an older breaker panel. They are a fire risk. So a lot of insurance companies and lenders will require you to upgrade those. They're very unsexy CapEx line item, but it's necessary, obviously, in order to get the loan, obviously, in order to acquire the property. So I just advise that in, through the due diligence, you're looking out for that kind of stuff. You're looking out for the wiring, make sure that wiring is upgraded. If not... I'm not saying the deal is dead, but we need to make sure that we're allocating some money in the budget or we're allocating money in the capital raise. Because the last thing you want to do is have to go for a cash call after you close the property and realizing, hey, you've got a problem. Or you're three quarters into a raise and realizing, hey, we've overextended. We've got to raise another million dollars in order to do you know, some of these safety upgrades that are going to be required. And just don't ever want to put anybody into that position. Again, not saying the deal is dead, but... Just being aware of what's going on and what you need to do and acting accordingly. Nice, nice. Okay, good. And that's a really good example. I'm curious, are there any other type of requirements that seem to catch you know operators off guard? Yeah, actually, I know here in Austin, Texas, we've had code upgrades that we've had to that were the syndication group was unaware of that. They closed on the property, it was actually involved in a fire. And, you know, they obviously were able to you're able to sign the insurance policy over. So they were able to do one for one on what had burned down and what had not. But what ended up happening is City Austin said, hey, you've got $250,000 worth of fire suppression system and we got to build a riser room. We got to do all this other stuff, right? Well, had that been knowledge that, you know, or questions that were asked before and, you know, no harm no foul on the buyer or the seller in the case, but just understanding that asking those questions Either an understanding could have been made going in and acquiring the deal. Maybe there wasn't any money off. Maybe there wasn't any kind of monetary transaction between the owner and seller. But at least you go into the project knowing, hey, we have $250,000 of upgrades we've got to do. And therefore, it's going to affect returns or it's going to affect the overall performance, maybe year one by this. And then we'll circumvent that in year two and three so we can get back to normal parameters. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, it's a very good point. What would you recommend, you know, that syndicators and even investors should take into consideration to assess when they are doing their due diligence before closing? 
Do you think that they should have a GC actually walk the property with them? I mean, what would be your best practice advice? I definitely think that you need to have a professional, whether it be a partnership that you have already established a GC. And it's it's funny. I see people that due diligence is very important. And, and sometimes it can cost some upfront costs, some money, but I'd rather put $10,000 towards a due diligence and know well in advance to walk away from the deal than to scrape by, get into the deal and find out that I've got a half a million dollars worth of work needs to be done that I didn't account for. Yeah, so, definitely. So I think it's very important that you have people on your team or you you outsource or you bring in, you know, we've got great partnerships with ownership groups that we work with handily. And we go in before, we'll do scope testing, roof testing. I mean, we look at, basically we can build out your CapEx renovation and your budget. And just make sure that everything is aligned. And again, walking you every step of the process through the due diligence all the way to close, that not only provides an accurate picture of what you're going to do, what you need to do, but even better, it allows us to plan and prepare. So when you close, we can execute on the CapEx plan much faster. We're not delayed. We're not waiting. You know, it's like we got everything in place. We close on, you know, October 2nd, you know, we can usually mobilize within about two to three weeks after that. As long as everything is in place beforehand. And obviously for you guys, you know, as investors, syndication groups, the faster the better, right? You know, we're trying to get in here and get these things turned. There's usually timelines on leasing that we've got to hit. So it's just really important that early we can engage with your groups and your vendors and get accuracy, the better off across the board. Yeah, yeah. And now you're making this sound like a beautiful cakewalk, you know, as though I wish it were that way. Yeah, I wish right? it was easy, but no, there's so many, yeah. You know, there's a lot of audibles. I think back to that question, I think you got to be prepared to be fluid. I think things change. And I think, you know, just even an example of one of those changes that we've done in the past is you come in with a plan of renovating 80% of the units. And all of a sudden we have a stat block situation of $250,000, right? That's another requirement. Well, you could go out and get more money or maybe, you know, whatever. But what we could do is we could really look at that CapEx budget and say, you know what, what does it look like if we only do 60% of those units, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe we cut it to 50%. So we're not necessarily changing the overall CapEx budget, but we're moving dollars around. Right. We'll be putting in that dog park, or maybe we're not, you know, we'd love to have a grilling station or a pool area, but is that really where the best return is, right? We have to do the stat blocks. That is, if fans, no if fans or buts about it, we have to do certain ADA upgrades or requirements. So those are first. And I kind of put it in a bucket where it's like, okay, these are the have-tos. These are the what we would like to have. And these are the wants, right? And yeah. so we got to cut out some of the wants to get the have-tos. So then we can get the ROI bucket of the three buckets. Then, you know, that's what we'll discuss. And that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, good. And what I was actually alluding to before about it sounding like a cakewalk, because it sounds great, but you know, supply chain issues, right? So I know we've, you know, encountered challenges with that. Everybody has. So you've got this great renovation plan. You're ready to pull the trigger on it and get it executed. And now you find out that some component that you need can't come, oh, for 40 days or whatever. So, you know, what kind of challenges are you seeing when it comes to being able to execute renovation plans in a timely fashion in light of the fact that supplies are not as easily accessible as they once were. How are you seeing people kind of move around that and how are they dealing with it? Yeah. And I think first and foremost, you have to have a plan, right? You have to go on, you have to know what you're going to do. You have to have a plan. Then you have to have another plan (laughs) and another plan. 
And I say that because, you know, things that we're seeing is, you know, appliances as far as where appliances are slow, windows, windows Mm -hmm. are 12 weeks out in some cases. So just really understanding that, I would recommend talking with your general contractor in your area or whatever vendors you're using and say, hey, are you guys stuck on anything? Is there anything here that you guys aren't receiving? What is that timeline, right? So you can have an idea of what that looks like. And then maybe put money in the CapEx budget that is front-loaded to where you maybe buy, you know, I know a lot of people that they'll buy a bulk of windows, they'll buy a bulk of refrigerators or whatever the case is, and they'll buy that and they'll hold it on a site. And yes, it's an added cost or you're you're upfunding that cost, but at the end of the day, you have it ready to go for when that renovation is ready. Your contractor has it and we can get things moving in the right like we can just we can get it executed, get the red bump, get a new tenant in there and move on. So just understanding those lead times. I think also, you know, I think going in with a couple of different model ideas, you may run into a situation where we have in the past where that certain model type is no longer available or it's backloaded, right? So what can we do to provide uniform, but at the same time, be able to move these units through the renovation and get, you know, the rent bumps we were expecting in our performance. So a couple of different angles that we personally take, I think communication is key. It's something that we're doing on a project. We've got a large project here in Austin that we're working on, and it's been a lot of communication between the supplier, the client, ourselves, and we did have supply chain issues and things not getting into kits appropriately. And you know, we have delivery dates that so we've got U-Hauls backing up to units and it's on us as a contract to make sure those units are ready at whatever cost that as far as from a resource standpoint. And if we've got to dig into our bag of tools and our bag of vendors, we will do so. So mm-hmm. and we've got, you know, if that guy doesn't work out, we've got other angles, but if we can communicate early and often what the expectation is and we find out the expectation can be met, we got a plan B as well. And we got a plan C and we got D, E, F, and G. So just different ways that we like to handle it. Obviously, it can be frustrating. It can be costly up front. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about getting through that business plan, getting units back online and collecting revenue. Yeah, definitely some good advice. And kudos to you. I mean, I think that that's Definitely the definition of business. Business never actually goes the way you want it to, you know, and it's when things don't follow the master plan that you're really doing business because then you've got to, you know, get creative and find your way over, under, and through it. Definitely. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, good. So we have arrived basically to the lightning round questions. These are the same five questions that I ask all of our guests. And hopefully you haven't watched any episodes, so you haven't been able to cheat and prepare in advance. Are you ready? (laughs) Let's go. All right. What do you actually do for a hobby? So my big hobby as of recently, obviously, well, actually my recent hobby has been my new puppy I got. So I guess you call it a hobby, but going to dog parks and things of that nature, pet smart. I guess it's like an arts and crafts store. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, Diving, golfing, fishing. I like to watch college football on Saturdays. So it's just a plethora of engagement with different people and it's fun so and real estate obviously like real estate you know just talking about it being about it and doing so yeah yeah nice and a lot of those activities are things that are dog friendly so now you've got a sidekick absolutely correct yeah cool good 
All right. Now, what is something that most people don't know about you? Oh, my goodness. So I wore Forrest Gump braces, like the little black braces in Forrest Gump. Yeah. Wow. You still do or you used to? No, I used to when I was little. I don't know if that's a good one. We can take that one out. Wow. No, it is. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, no, so yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it's just funny because I watched the movie and I was like, or I'll be watching it with people. I'll be like, yeah, I used to wear those. And people were like, what? <laughs> wow. Wow. Kudos to you, though. I think it builds character when you have to overcome hard things like that when you're younger. I can run straight and fast now. Everything yeah. is good. So awesome. Great. So it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Definitely unique. All right. What is a book that you're currently reading or just a must read that you would recommend? I've got four sitting next to my bed. I got the 10X rule, Grant Cardone. I got his real estate investing as well. I've got one about startups. It's non-real estate related, but I was inspired by an Instagram post about the 10 must read books for an MBA. And yeah. I basically went down there. So I'm starting with that first one about startups. Basically, like the list goes from startups to leadership to you know, financial stuff. So trying to diversify a little bit in my reading portfolio from not just real estate, but just other tangible items that I think we can carry on within our day-to-day basis, whether it be in relationships or family or business or any of that. So yeah, for sure. I'm a huge fan also. I'm a big geek for an app called Headway that gives you like cliff note versions of hundreds and hundreds of books. And I think it's really important to keep it diverse. So yeah, good for you. All right. And now what is your key piece of advice that you would share with people for building an extraordinary life? I think be helpful, be generous. I think relationships are key. I think regardless, it's, it's, that's really, I think just help people. I think that's, it just comes from a gratitude standpoint. You just full circle, you help people, people help you. And I think that's one thing that I really enjoy about this business is it's like everybody has like a part to play and you can't play the part without somebody else. Definitely. I think it translates into life is like, just be kind, help people, just have gratitude, be humble. And I think just from all different aspects, I think everything just ends up coming together. And I guess that's the key to a healthy life, right? Hey, I think it's great advice. I think it's very good advice. It's sincere. It's true. My little saying is that it's the people in your life that make it what it is. So, you know, it's it's all relationships, definitely. Cool. All right. And then last but not least, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I probably connect with a lot of you guys. James Sermons is my LinkedIn. So if you want to do a search, I can also be reached at james.sermons at gagemultifamily.com. That's G-A-G-E multifamily.com. Perfect. And I'll be sure we include that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And for those of you tuning in today, we really appreciate it. Please don't forget to like, rate, and review and let us know what else you want to talk about. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Last but not least, of course, in the words of Ellie, be bold, be strong, and keep moving forward.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.